Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our uh, Ecom show and today I'm here with uh, Jared. Um and uh how, sorry, how should I pronounce your name properly? Yeah, it's Spiwak. Spiwak. Okay. Yeah. Jared Spiwak. Yep. Yeah. Um and today with him we will uh talk about uh, Google Ads and SEO and uh in the past he helped the uh, service businesses uh, software uh, businesses as well and uh, and e-commerce so he has experience with different industries and um, I think we are very close to the 50th um, episode episode but uh, we never really talked about Google Ads and um, we, we discussed SEO but uh, it's still not an area where, where I'm really knowledgeable so I think um, we can, you know, we can deep dive into this. And also, I know many e-commerce businesses, they focus on Facebook ads uh, and they really uh, leave money on the table because they don't use uh, Google uh, ads or, or SEO. So, so yeah, um, before we jump into that, um, please tell us more about your past and, and how did you end up in the world of uh, marketing? Yeah, of course. So first, thanks for... Uh have me on always great to uh, have these discussions. I've I've been in the world of marketing for a while. I got started when I was 14. Uh, so when I was 14, I decided that despite being a CD student at high school, I was going to graduate early. So I started college at 15, went for a marketing degree, graduated. When I was 16, I had to figure out how to pay for it myself. So I started working online, just doing content writing at the time, working for very little, but that got me into the world of online marketing, specifically SEO, because it was back in 2012, everybody wanted SEO content. So I started learning about the world of digital marketing from there. After after a bit, I got a corporate marketing job on the more traditional marketing side of things. Very quickly learned that corporate marketing just wasn't for me. I didn't like the company I was with. I didn't like what I was doing there either. So I signed up for a website called Upwork.com. This was uh, much less known than it is nowadays. It was pretty soon after their Odesk Elance merger that I signed up. And I started working for $5 an hour, just offering any sort of online marketing services. I was doing everything from social media to web development to design to whatever it may be. Uh, over time, I learned more, more about SEM being SEO and Google Ads PPC. I got hired by a marketing agency who was hired, offering me double what I was making per hour at the corporate job and work from home. So obviously I was going to go and do that. And uh, that kind of cemented me in SEO for a while. And eventually I went from full-time down to part-time down to no time towards the end of 2017 uh, for that agency. And at that time I was just exclusively offering SEO. That's all I really planned on doing. I wasn't really ever expecting to offer Google ads as a service. I had some experience with it every once in a while yeah. I'd work on an account, but not as a, it uh, wasn't an offering. But basically what happened was uh, over time, I thought, hey, this is a great channel for me to uh, partner with somebody else who's qualified and have them do that. I'll focus on the SEO stuff. But unfortunately, I would work with somebody. Results wouldn't be there. Makes me look bad to the client. Work with somebody else. Results still weren't there. It's like, let me give this a shot. Let me learn it a little bit more. I think I spent an hour on YouTube and I was like, okay, I'm already getting better results than all these 
professionals. <laughs> so clearly yeah. there's a disconnect here. And uh, ever ever since then, I was like, okay, great. I guess now I'm doing SEO and Google ads. And it's basically uh, been like that ever since. Amazing. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your story. And um, I also started on Upwork a few years ago and uh, I can see, you know, that so many people, they started there. Um, and yeah, today it's it's um, it's super popular. Um, I would say um, there are even more people there. Um, just a question: So, how how was the corporate uh, marketing world? I, I've never tasted it, so I'm just interested uh, compared to your current uh, job or what you do now. Um, how wh what was the difference? One of the one of the big distinctions, this is something that I'll still run across when I'll uh, talk to clients who are more on the corporate side, is that it's very traditional in a lot of aspects. One, uh, when I was at that company, digital marketing was a kind of a side thought. It was like, oh, yeah, it's just this other thing that that we also do like, uh, you know, Google, whatever, yeah. even though that's probably where most people were you know, finding out about the company within the company itself. It was a lot of office politics where it was, you know, you getting promoted depended on who you knew and if they liked you rather than what you do. And, you know, personality is, of course, obviously important when you work anywhere, but it was more so like, oh, you know, I have to be friends with my boss's boss in order to have a chance to get promoted, even though I'm way exceeding what my expectations were set. But also they have, you know, internal policies where, okay, great, you have to be here for two years before you can be promoted, even though, okay, great, well, the last person that had my job they had it for about two years and I'm six months in and I'm already doing what they were doing. You know, I've proven myself in all these different ways. So there was just a lot of um, kind of traditional uh, uh, kind of bureaucracy, if you will. A lot of also yeah. is like, you know, what's your education background? You know, you if you want to make it to this level, you have to have a bachelor's degree no matter what you've done or to get to this level, you have to have your master's no matter you know what you can do or what else you've done. That sort of stuff just I don't really agree with um, yeah. and more so on the digital marketing side specifically uh, almost nobody that I know in the industry uh, has a college degree uh, which is great because it's something that I personally don't care about and so I like I like that aspect quite a bit um, and it's a lot of you know what you can do rather than just like a, a lot of um, things that sound good on paper but don't necessarily mean anything like years of experience, don't tend to matter. Degrees don't tend to matter. Uh, things like that. So it just aligns with me a lot better. Yeah, I, I fully agree. So looks like it's not different in, in the US <laughs> because some uh, people here in Europe, they say that European companies, corporates are conservative or, or bureaucratic, but looks like it's the same in the US. Yeah. Um, so let's say, let's say I have an e-commerce business and... Um, making six, seven figure a year, but our traffic comes from Facebook ads or influencer marketing. And I never tried Google ads or SEO. Um, what do you recommend to me as the business owner or CMO, um, how to get started with this? And when should I get started with this? Yeah, so I think when is a, a really good place to start because, uh, you know, despite me having... Uh, a very much so hate relationship with with Facebook. It is where a lot of people are. And I there are a lot of people that I recommend stay there. Don't worry about Google right now because you don't need to. Every time you add an additional marketing channel to your mix, it, in, it makes your business a lot more complicated. 
attribution tracking is a lot more complicated. There's another agency to manage. Or there's yeah. another person to manage. There's another report you have to worry about. There's another interface you have to worry about updating. Uh, it can be a lot. And it, there is a truth to not having all your eggs in one basket, but you also have a, have to have enough eggs in a basket to care about in the first place. So first, I recommend for people to really scale Facebook uh, if, if you're already on Facebook. Scale whatever's working for you right now. Get it to a point where uh, it is pretty significant. You know, if you're just spending, you know, a couple grand a month on Facebook and you're making sales from all these other places, don't worry about Google yet. Okay, great. You know, we're spending 10, 20, 30 grand a month on Facebook. Now maybe we'll try testing Google. Take the strategy that works on Facebook, try it on Google, see if it works, see if it doesn't. Uh, rather than, let's say you have a $10,000 a month ad spend budget, instead of splitting that between a bunch of different places, one, maybe two places. So the first thing I would say is when is when it would severely hurt the business if you were to lose that one channel which is when you need to diversify to protect yourself, especially with Facebook, which is infamous for just randomly shutting down accounts, which is why I'm personally not a big fan of it. I can't tell you how, basically anytime I talk to anybody who's advertising on Facebook, it's, oh, our account got shut down for the eighth time this week. So that's something that um, you know, that I really hate about Facebook, but it is what it is. So that's the when. Um, so eggs in a basket, you know, you need to make sure what you're doing right now is significant. Focus on what works, skill that, and then worry about other things. If you do decide to move over to Google Ads, SEO, whatever it may be. Uh, which one's going to be better for you uh, depends on the business. It's not going to be a, a, a one, there's not going to be one situation that applies to everybody. Uh, but the big difference that you'll get is things like Facebook are all discovery. You're trying to target somebody when they meet a certain parameter, they are interested in education, they're this years old, they're whatever it may be. And you're trying to take somebody who's maybe never heard of you, who's maybe never thought about your product or your solution, and convince them to enter into your funnel or to buy right away, depending on what your advertising strategy is. You can still do that with Google. But what you also have access to is both the search and the shopping network, which allows you to also target people when they're searching for exactly what it is that you sell, which is something that uh, you don't get to do much uh, as easily on Facebook as you get to do with Google. The other benefit of Google is that everybody uses it, and Google has an incredibly wide reach, especially when you consider how Facebook has been losing users quite a bit over time with all their data privacy issues and all the restrictions going on with a bunch of different countries right now. I mean, Google's not perfect either in that regard, but uh, you also get access to things like YouTube. YouTube is a massively underserved network. When it comes to video, that's the number one place to be. Everyone raves about how good uh, Facebook video ads are, uh, yet 90% of those businesses aren't on YouTube. And that's where most people watch videos, especially with everything that's happening in the world. People have been spending a lot more time on YouTube nowadays, granted on Facebook as well. So you have access to that network. You have the GDN or the Google Display Network, which is when you get to show your ads through the AdSense Network, which is usually on other people's websites. It can also be on YouTube as well. You have the Search Network, which I already said, which is just on Google Search. You have the Shopping Network, which is also on Google Search, but also on the Shopping tab. You also have like the Discovery Network, the local network if you have physical locations so on and so forth so it's yeah. a it's a different medium that has a lot of different targeting options that's been around for just over 20 years and it's uh, in my opinion a lot more stable than something like facebook yeah, yeah yeah it's been around for more time for sure more years and uh if i know well youtube is the second biggest search platform after google mm -hmm. so 
And, and Google yeah. owns both of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, especially millennials, they, um, and I, I think we also do this when we search for something more and more times, we don't go to Google now, but we go to YouTube and we look for a tutorial video or, or explainer video instead of Google Googling it and uh, and reading an article. So I think it's it's becoming even more popular than ever, uh, YouTube search. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, I, I can see uh, many visual e-commerce brands and they are great with Facebook ads and influencers. What do you think these visual brands, they can also benefit from Google or they should rather focus on Facebook and influencer marketing? Because I can see niches where it's almost a no-brainer that you should focus on Google ads. So um, furniture, let's say, or, 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 you know, things which are not as visual, but they solve a problem. People Google it, uh, intent-based uh, search, and then they find it and they buy. And how about these visual products like, like I don't know, like Gymshark or, or Movement, the watch brand, or these kind of visual brands? Can they, can they use it? Maybe they should use YouTube or, or, or something else, Google Shopping. Um, what do you think? Yeah, so that's a, it's a really good consideration to make, which is what are you, what are you selling and what networks will work best for you? Uh, regardless of what you're selling, generally one network will be able to work because Google hits it from a bunch yeah. of different areas, whether it's direct search, whether it's top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of the funnel, visual, audio, whatever it may be, there's a way to advertise through their network for it. If you're, uh, there's an argument to be made that depending on what you're selling, even if it's very visual, that every network could work for you one way or another. For example, on on search, you don't have any visuals other than a text ad, but when somebody clicks on that ad, they do get to your visual, which is your landing page. So if you can get those clicks, you might have a chance there. Maybe not for everybody, but you can have that, especially if someone is searching for what you're selling, whether, you know, let's say it's a, a nice watch or whatever it may be. Sure, there's shopping ads, and I'll talk about that in a second, but the organic listings don't show your images either. You might show images from Google Images, but that's another thing. You know, if someone's searching to buy a watch, they're expecting to click on somebody's website in which they'll see something there. So you do have that ability through the visuals of the landing page. With shopping ads, it'll show your product images that you'll put through your product feed through Google Merchant Center. So whatever images you have on your product images on your website will serve on your ads. So that can help you as well. Uh, but usually I would say the most impactful ones, uh, the most impactful network for visuals would be YouTube, which is massively underserved. And you also have the GDN or the Google Display Network, which is all primarily image-based. You can do text ads, don't recommend it. But you can put up any sort of creative. You can take what works on Facebook, your image, size it down to make it uh, match the uh, Google Display Network images, image sizes, and then serve your atom there to your normal testing, so on and so forth. But YouTube is something that is massively underserved. Almost nobody uses it and for in comparison to the other networks. And those who do use it almost always use it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Why, why is that, by the way? If I have to guess, I think because it takes a lot of effort to create the uh, videos, a lot of work and people just, you know, it's just easier to write an ad or maybe that's just one thing. So the barrier to entry is certainly um, one of the reasons why a lot of people aren't on it. But even those who can afford to 
higher high-end production companies still screw up their YouTube ads. I would, I would, I'm certainly exaggerating, but I'd say like 90% of the time. Uh, the reason being is that those who work with production companies think about it like TV. And the general rule of thumb I have is if this ad would work on TV, it will not work on YouTube. It's just not the medium that people are looking for. It's just another thing for people's mind to turn off uh, and ignore it. And one of the other misconceptions is that you have to go with a high-end production company. You should, your YouTube ads should match what somebody should expect to watch on YouTube. It should be the same level of quality that, um, that somebody expects to see on YouTube. So for example, one of the better ads that I've seen probably within the past year was a, a tech company. I can't remember what the product was. So it wasn't the greatest ad, but uh, I remember this so distinctly because I was watching a video for a review of like some sort of tech product I just wanted to know more about. And then I got an ad and the ad was the tech company took one of their affiliates videos, I'm assuming that they got a permission from them and just used that video as their ad. And I thought I was watching just the next autoplay video. I didn't know I was watching an ad until I looked at the screen and I saw the skip button because it looked exactly like a YouTube video. It felt exactly like a YouTube video. It was perfectly placed. I was in the middle of watching uh, videos about tech product reviews and there's another tech product review shot YouTube style. It was actually shot by a YouTuber who it was the exact review that they had on their own YouTube channel that the brand just used and got permission to use assumably uh, for their ad. And so it fit right in. And then you find... Um, I'll have to be careful with this one. Then you find some companies that will work with um, very well-known ad agencies that I have a lot of respect for that, you know, you're looking at at least a million dollars and they've run some really creative ads. Then they put those ads on YouTube and they get no results. Well, why is that? Because that's something you could safely put on TV. That's just another thing that people find as noise where you can be a lot more uh, creative, even if you do have that sort of um, budget to make it look like a YouTube video, because that's what people want to see when they're on that platform. A, a really great example of this, which uh, I, every time I've been in the UK, it's, it's uh, I can't access this. I don't know that it's allowed in the UK, but uh, Pandora is like Shopify and not Shopify, uh, Spotify. And so what's really great is the brands that the brands that do well on Pandora, which is a music based app, they their ads are songs and and sometimes I'll be listening to it. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting song. I'm like, oh, this is an ad. <laughs> and I just didn't even realize it because they've matched the advertisement to the platform that they're on. And not everybody does that. Uh, it's just like, here, here's our insurance commercial that we put everywhere else. And this other insurance, you know, it's going to be forgettable. This other insurance company, they paid somebody to write a song or a jingle. And here's like a song that sounds natural for this platform. So uh, the barrier to entry is higher because it requires more effort. It requires more thought, but it doesn't necessarily require high production costs. I would say the barrier to entry is more on strategy. And, but for most people, they think that the barrier to entry is production. Yeah. 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 I, I, I really agree here. And, um, looks like, uh, <clears throat> with YouTube, especially in the recent years, the main thing is watch time and how much time you spend on the videos. And, it sounds like it's the same uh, with ads. While on Facebook, there are catchy ads and, and short videos, and they want you to click as soon as you can on YouTube, they are okay to, um, you know, have you watching uh, the video. And uh, I can see people who just, um, especially content creators, so not really e-commerce companies, but info product sellers, they do it a lot. Ty Lopez, I think I could see him. 
Nick Cosmin. So the, these guys, they upload their best performing uh, organic videos as ads. Mm-hmm. Some of them are half an hour, 10 minutes, and you just uh, keep watching them. And after a while, you will click if you stay interested. So I guess the quality of leads is, uh, is much better than on Facebook. Um, what are the, the placements with, with, uh, on, on YouTube? And Google as well. You already mentioned these, but you mentioned a lot, and maybe we can just, uh, you know, mention the pros and cons of each. Um, who should use them? Um, and yeah, yeah. So when it comes to utilizing uh, YouTube, it's going to be the best for creative brands, not just necessarily brands that sell creative products, but brands that have creative minds behind them. That's just going to yeah. do the best. Um, uh, if a video is something that takes forever to get out or it's just something that's really painful to do internally, it's just probably not the best bet. Now, you do have kind of what I mentioned beforehand. If you sell something that you have affiliates with, ask them to film a video, ask them if you can use that as an ad, and that might uh, help you quite a bit. But it is something that requires, you know, the creative is what will win. But also, you need to have a certain marketing acumen to go for such top of funnel uh, because you need to walk people you shouldn't expect somebody to click on a YouTube video and then buy your product if that's the first time that they've heard about you. So uh, to have either whether you're working with somebody, whether that's a freelance or an agency or doing this in-house or whatever it may be, to have that sort of strategy outlined, uh, which might require multiple videos where you might go, okay, great. We we sell, um, uh, I don't know, like watches or whatever it may be. And you have a video that you just put on YouTube that talks about the sustainability of how you create your watches you know they're they're sustainably made they're good for whatever it may be you turn that into an ad that's informational that just gets people interested and then you use that and you go okay whoever watched enough of this ad then i want them to see our other ad in which it actually talks about our product because maybe if someone watched four seconds of the video they're probably not all that interested somebody watched 30 seconds of our two minute ad which wasn't which is just information about how our watches are sustainable maybe they're interested in that maybe they're interested in sustainability or watches or whatever it may be, we can serve them an, a different ad that way. So understanding what the um, what the mentality of the YouTuber is, if there's nobody internally or nobody on the strategy team that understands how YouTube works as a medium, it's probably going to be a waste of time, especially because tracking in terms of attribution is so much more difficult if you're just trying to track everything through the Google Ads platform, rather than look at your top line revenue across all of your ad spend, because people can see your YouTube ad, and then they can go buy your product on Amazon. They can see your YouTube ad, they can save that, they can tell their friend, their friend goes and buys it, or whatever it may be. So attribution is a lot more difficult. With the display network, it can be a bit of the same thing because it's also visual where you have your creative ad. Uh, are you creating an ad that kind of sucks? Uh, you know, How much do you know about your customer, which I'll talk about in a second, which can be applied to every network, but it's specifically important for display and video. Uh, but you still need to have some uh, a much greater strategy than other networks. Uh, when it comes to shopping, that's pretty straightforward. That's uh, essentially automated in the sense that your website is usually if you're on something like Shopify, WooCommerce, et cetera, it's already pre-formatted that your data feed, or which is essentially a database of all your products, all the information in there is usually pretty good. If there's an issue, it's usually your developer who will fix that. Google chooses your keywords based on the information that you have on your products, which should already be describing them pretty well, so you don't have to worry about that. It's mainly segmenting your products. It's mainly, you know, what's the good cost per click or the bid strategy, uh, so on and so forth. So while strategy is really important for that network as well, 
uh, there's plenty of successful brands that have very basic setups that are doing perfectly fine. We're not really going to be able to get away with that basic of a setup uh, for most of the time for display and video because it's just going to be too much competition. Same thing for search. Uh, you know, strategy is great. It can work great, but uh, there's plenty of brands that just go, okay, um, I sell vintage watches, keyword vintage watches, send to my vintage watch page. Hey, it works. Um, so some, for some people, it works fine. Not for everybody. Uh, so if you if you're if you have a lower marketing acumen, you don't have a lot of time to learn marketing strategy. Probably search and shopping is where you're going to focus. But it, because of how much more targeted it is, the clicks will be much more expensive compared to uh, YouTube and what you might pay a couple cents for a thousand views or a display network where maybe you're pay, paying a couple cents for a click. You Maybe you're paying like three, four bucks for a click depending on what you're selling on search or maybe it's only like 50 cents to a dollar. It really depends on what you're selling. Uh, but the um, the intent, the higher intent is just going to be in higher cost for you as well. Uh, the biggest thing as well is how much you actually understand who you're fundamentally selling to. That's something that, in my opinion, most advertisers miss. Even when I uh, talk to companies and I get access to accounts that, you know, okay, great, you know, we make $10 million a year. Our goal is, you know, $15 million this year. We have a full internal marketing team. And the account is just, and this goes back to uh, you know, segmenting properly and utilizing the display network and the YouTube network really efficiently, is what a lot of people just do is they go, uh, I sell backpacks. Here's an image of my backpack that I sell. I'm going on YouTube. Here's a video showing off a bunch of product shots or like a panorama of around the backpack or whatever it may be. Really what needs to happen is to go, okay, well, we have this backpack that is that people who are 18 to 45 like this backpack, people who um, enjoy the outdoors like this backpack, and they, um, let's just stick with those two for the sake of simplicity. That's the next level. Some people have got to this level, and that's great. We're actually targeting who you're advertising to, but that's still fairly simplistic because that's a matter of default settings in your account and just turning them on or off. What a lot of people miss is actually understanding that the people who are 18 to 25 are buying that backpack for a very different reason than who are 35 to 45. And realizing that, oh, the 18 to 25-year-olds are buying this because it's fashionable. There's a brand statement. It's trendy, whatever it may be, where the 35 to 45-year-olds are buying this because of the functionality. It's waterproof. It's durable, et cetera. And so you can take the same ad, segment your campaign. Now you have two campaigns based off of this, your image ad or your video, whatever it may be, for the younger crowd, highlights the fashionability of it. For the older crowd, it highlights the functionality of that product. 99% of accounts that I've seen don't take this next step. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting because, yeah, as you said, um, even if you sell the same product, there are different audiences. And um, I think many store owners and marketers, they don't really take this into account. Um, while and and it, it applies not just for google but for email marketing or facebook or or your landing pages you can create different landing pages based on that and drive traffic separately so yeah actually that's that's crucial um, um yeah so what about uh, seo and 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 paid ads uh ppc uh, do they help each other or or how much they are related i could hear different things some people they told me that uh if you have a better um, you know ranking 
in terms of SEO, it really helps you, helps your Google Ads. Maybe it's even cheaper to get one click. Um, others, they, they said it's not uh, really true. Um, what, what is the real truth here? So that's a question, unfortunately, that you could ask 100 people. Uh, in my position, you'll get a hundred different answers. Uh, there are different schools of thought in terms of how they can uh, help each other. Uh, directly, it would be on search and shopping. Indirectly, through video and image ads, just because Google search is completely separate from that, and I'll I'll go into that in a minute. But there are schools of thought that believe if you run ads on Google, you're more likely to rank on Google because Google is going to like you because you're paying them, and you don't actually pay Google for anything SEO related. Some people believe that, some people don't. Um, if it is a factor, I would say it's probably very minor. It's something that Google would never admit if it was a factor. So whether it is or not, it's not something you're ever going to be able to definitively know unless you had access to the engineers who decided if that was or was not going to be in there. But what, uh, what does help specifically with search because it's all text-based is your brand. Uh, this is something very interesting that a uh, client that we worked with was doing is that they did an internal study and they noticed, so they're a nationwide company, and they noticed that in cities where they have billboards, their click-through rate on Google was higher. So there's an argument to be made that their, uh, that their billboards were helping their search. Not yeah. in that Google goes, hey, you're running billboards and now I'm going to rank you higher. But what can happen is uh, psychologically, we're drawn to whatever is most familiar to us. And if I've heard that brand name, even if I don't recognize it when I'm looking at it subconsciously, I might subconsciously recognize that. And that might be why I click on result number two rather than result number one. So that can be how, and it goes to ads as well. You know, if you're running ads on YouTube, if you're running ads on Google Display Network, your name, uh, you know, the name of your product, the name of your brand could be more recognizable to that person. I mean, if you were looking for, um, let's say, uh, like a like a, a shave club, well, Dollar Shave Club is very well known. If some unknown brand ranks number one for a shave club that you've never heard of, even if Dollar Shave Club ranks number four, you might click that because you've heard of them. So Google yeah. might be able to interpret that as, well, you're getting a higher than expected click-through rate or CTR, maybe we should actually put you higher. And there is a lot of case studies around CTR helping. There's you know, both in legitimate and illegitimate ways, but CTR tends to be a generally accepted ranking factor on, on Google. So that can be a way that it can help kind of indirectly, which is uh, your ads expand your reach and that expands the reach of your brand, which can help influence people to click on you over somebody else, even if you don't rank higher than them. More direct uh, ways to you kind of utilize them together is that there are schools of thought that say, hey, if we rank really well for a keyword organically, we also want to be paying for ads on that because there's some percentage of clicks that are already going to ads that isn't going to us even if we rank number one. So we can continue to arbitrage that keyword. There are other schools of, of thought that say, hey, if we're ranking number one for it, even if we can get a two to 3% click through rate or maybe even higher depending on the industry on Google search, let's not run ads on anything we rank really well for and use that budget to run ads on things that we want to rank for, but we just don't rank for yet. So we can still get the clicks for that. So there's a lot of different schools of thought of how you can uh, utilize them together. In those two instances, I would say it primarily comes down to budget. If you have a very limited budget, then I think it can be a smart strategy to spend where you don't currently show up organically unless where you do show up just so you can arbitrage around the entire industry rather than the specific term. If you have a larger budget, then I think it makes sense to arbitrage each individual keyword as much as possible. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, thank you. And uh, I will keep asking even more people to get at least 100 people in the next month. <laughs> um, my last question would be, so what do you recommend to e-commerce businesses this year? And also I can, you know, I read the news about Facebook uh, algorithm changes and iOS update and all of that, but maybe I'm just not aware of it, but Google for me, for me, it uh, seems to be a more uh, peaceful platform. There aren't uh, big changes every month. Um, is it, is it the real situation? Um, and also what can we expect uh, this year from Google? Yeah, so I think that Google for sure is a much more stable platform. It's very rare that I run into issues where um, you know an account gets suspended and I can't get a hold of a support person for weeks, uh, which I've heard numerous times from Facebook advertisers. Or um, because it's a much more stable platform, uh, I don't log in every other day and see that the interface is completely changed. The help sections, uh, their documentation on how everything works is almost, it's very rare that I find something on Google that isn't up to date. So I think it's a lot more friendly to uh, newer individuals who are getting into the platform that are doing this themselves. Whereas anything I try to do on Facebook, even though I haven't background in advertising, I've ran Facebook ads beforehand. Every time I go into the Facebook section, I'm like, I can't find something. Every YouTube video is out of date. Facebook's own documentation is out of date. If I don't know somebody that knows how to do this, then I'm just not going to be able to do it. Uh, so I think you do get a lot more stability on Google. Uh, there's a lot of changes happening with data protection right now. Google is currently planning on rolling out what they call Flock, uh, what it stands for. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're alleging that it's about as 95% as effective as the current um, you know, uh, pixel and cookie related ways of uh, tracking people. And uh, when it comes to keeping up with that, I would put more trust into Google than I would Facebook because Google more than likely has much more data between all the different networks and yeah. different businesses that they have. Uh, plus, they own the browser <laughs> that most people use. Uh, they have they have Gmail, they have YouTube, they have Google Search. Sorry, I think Android. It's also on uh, yes. by Google, but yeah, YouTube and yeah, all of that. It's Facebook is a huge company, but I think Google is still, uh, you know, more branches and more platforms. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And for existing advertisers, one of the the biggest thing, as, as I already kind of mentioned, is that what most people aren't doing is segmenting their account as much as possible and really running tests based on interests outside of the obvious ones. So, for example. If you are nationwide, right, this is if you want to, you want your ad to connect and be as relevant to that individual as possible. Here's an idea. Uh, let's say you sell a, a pillow and you have a video ad that has a bed, people that go into the bed and like, oh, great pillow, whatever it may be. And on that bed, they have a bed sheet. Okay, well, either... I don't know everything about video editing, but it's probably easier to do this digitally and just digitally edit the video rather than do this manually. But for each major city that you're in, run tests where you change the uh, the sheet to have their sports team's logo on it. So when they see that ad, they see their favorite sports team's logo and they go, oh, what's this about? Right? They haven't even noticed it's about a pillow yet. They just recognize that, oh, that's my favorite sports team's logo. Right? If we're in Boston, we're talking about... Uh, the Bruins, we're talking about the Celtics, the Patriots, the Red Sox. If we're in New York, we're talking about the Jets, the Mets, the um, the Yankees, so on and so forth. 
And that's going to be a lot more relatable than you just taking that one generic pillow ad that you send to everybody. If you know that, oh, uh, uh, our, our pillow is, you know, one of our market segments is uh, pregnant women. It really helps pregnant women with whatever it may be. Okay, great. Take your existing campaign, duplicate it, segment it to just women who are 18 to 35, which is going to be the most likely to be pregnant with affinity targeting or rather in-market targeting around uh, baby clothes and items and kids and toys and whatnot. And take the, when you're filming your video, film you know, 30, 20, 30 different variations with small changes. You can keep the same script where it can very quickly film a bunch of different ads and then serve only that ad to that one audience. That's a lot more relatable than what you have to do on TV, which is much more general because you have so many different people watching at once. And sure, you might know that, oh, on this certain network, it tends to be an older crowd or more professional crowd or whatever it may be, but you're not going to be able to take and go, okay, on MTV, I want to show this ad to people who are this age at the same time that I want to show this other ad. You know, it just doesn't work like that. But on YouTube, you can do that. So if you really know your customers well enough, which I find that is something that uh, unfortunately a lot of companies don't focus enough on, if you really know fundamentally what your customers are interested in, but beyond just the products and features of your um, products, if you focus on that, you can create very relatable and targeted ads that will have much higher click-through rates or much more likely to be talked about on social than spending yeah. you know, $10 million on like the most creative thing uh, in the world because it's just noise. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great advice. And uh, I also, just a part of it, segmentation, that's also a huge thing on our side as email marketers. And I think... The mo one of the most amazing things when you can uh, combine the different channels and uh, and see the segments, um, it can be Facebook ads, Google ads, um, or um, you know email marketing, SMS marketing, and all of that. Um, yeah, um, thank you, Gerald, for joining us today. Uh, it was a pleasure to to discuss uh, the Google platform. As you could hear, there are many opportunities probably even more than with Facebook. And it's a very stable platform compared to many other platforms. Um, if anyone wants to find you where they can, uh, they can find you. Yeah, of course. So if you want to check out my agency, you can go to cometfuel.com. Um, yeah, that will be the best place to go. And if you want to learn more about me, you can just Google Jared Spiewak and a bunch of links will show up on Google. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you, you are rated... Uh, you, you rank very high on Google, which is, which is great. Um, yeah, we will put the links uh, in the description so everyone can uh, find those, um, the website and, and your uh, social media profiles as well. And uh, everyone who listened uh, to us today or will listen to the podcast, um, thanks for listening and stay tuned. Every Thursday we are coming out with a new episode with an interesting uh, area of e-commerce and marketing um, stay tuned and thanks again Jared thanks hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast if you want to learn more about e-commerce retention marketing check out our Facebook group called top 3% e-commerce email marketing or check out our website thebudaimedia.com the show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media see you in our next episode and don't forget our goal Grow your e-commerce business together.